Ye emperors, kings, dukes, and all other people desirous of knowing the diversities of kingdoms, provinces, and regions of all parts of the East, read through this book. So begins the travels of Marco Polo. The greatest travelogue ever written, published in the 13th century, it was an instant success, taking the reader on an exciting adventure from Venice to the Far East via the Black Sea. Marco Polo made this extraordinary voyage to the ends of the earth between 1271 and 1295. In this tale, the reader travels with him, crossing never-ending rivers and vast deserts, encountering tribes of nomadic riders, and meeting the Mongol emperor Kublai Khan in person. Two centuries later, Christopher Columbus, a great admirer of Marco Polo, sailed in his wake via another route, taking the travels of Marco Polo with him as a travel guide. And many explorers have tried to follow in the Venetians' footsteps. However, he wasn't actually a pioneer or a lone explorer. Without his father, Niccolo, and uncle, Maffeo, we probably wouldn't know his name. The two men reached Khan Balik, modern-day Beijing, first when Marco was just a child. Without this first foray into the heart of another world, Marco Polo would have just been one Venetian merchant among thousands. You're listening to Echoes of History Behind the Legends, the podcast that tells you the true stories of some of history's most legendary heroes. As the Assassin's Creed franchise turns 15, travel back through 2,500 years of history to meet the men and women whose destiny led them to greatness. Uncover their stories and bring their legends back to life. Episode 8, Niccolo and Maffeo Polo. The story of the manuscripts of the travels of Marco Polo starts in 1298 in a Genoese prison. Languishing in his cell, poet Rusticello de Pisa finally found a way to escape boredom. His new cellmate, one Marco Polo, yeah, that one, had an endless supply of stories. This Venetian claimed to have completed an immense journey that started 27 years earlier. Initially suspicious, the poet was soon caught up in this extraordinary tale. The areas explored were described with such precision that the fascinated writer agreed to write everything down. The book was co-written. As Marco dictated the tale, Rusticello transcribed it. More than a century later, in 1392, a Florentine scribe annotated the manuscript. I, Amadeo Bonaghidi, consider this lies. I don't believe it. 
Now, admittedly, to suit public taste, the authors had embellished the story just a little with marvels. Um, Dog-headed men, cats with human faces, and the rock, a giant eagle that can capture an elephant, as opposed to the film star. The legend took hold through the fantasy, and with it a suspicion. What if Marco Polo was a fraud? We wouldn't say that, but the Venetian certainly didn't visit all the places he described. He didn't set foot in Africa, for example. And he had a way with hyperbole. The word marvellous appears 120 times in the Franco-Italian text, which is a marvellous use of the word marvellous. However, there is irrefutable proof confirming the essence of his story. Marco Polo did travel to China, and he was a high-ranking emissary to the Mongol Kargan Emperor Kublai Khan. The most substantial evidence of this can be found in the Venetian's will, written in 1324, the year of his death. The inventory of his assets includes a golden tablet, or paisa, a type of passport entitling the bearer to privileges engraved in precious metal and worn around the neck. The Khan gave them to his top officials. The fact remains that Marco Polo's boastfulness minimized the role of his family, specifically Niccolo, his father, and Maffeo, his uncle. During the account of his stay in China, Marco Polo puts himself in the spotlight so much that the other two men seem as if they're not there at all. Yet, when the journey for which he is now famous began in 1271, Marco was just an inexperienced young man of 17. He was only an apprentice to the two brothers who were experienced explorers and merchants. And the journey in question was anything but an impromptu expedition into unknown lands. The Polo brothers were on a diplomatic mission for the Kargan himself. Reaching the Emperor was a real feat in the first place, accomplished by the brothers a few years earlier in 1266, after crossing much of Asia virtually alone and often without a guide. The first pages of the travels of Marco Polo contain a very concise account of this first voyage, and with time, the legend of Marco Polo erased the, perhaps greater achievements, of his father and uncle. When Marco Polo was born in Venice in 1254, his father, Niccolo, and uncle, Maffeo, were on an extraordinary voyage. His mother was prepared to raise him alone as she waited for her husband's return. That she died a few weeks after Marco's birth. The boy was cared for by his aunt Flora and grandfather Andrea, a well-known local trader. The Polos were a new family of prosperous merchants who lived in the Venetian quarter of San Severo. The family business was long-distance trade. Marco, the elder, the eldest brother, was the stable partner who stayed on land in Venice or at a trading post while his two younger brothers travelled to find the best products and markets. In 1254, Niccolo and Maffeo left Venice for Constantinople, 
the capital of the Latin Empire. They lived in a house they owned in the Venetian Quarter for several years while they grew their investments. But in 1260, the two brothers had to leave the city as the situation for Venetians became precarious. Before their hasty departure, Niccolo and Maffeo exchanged some of their possessions for precious stones and jewellery, items that are easy to transport and sell. Then, for a while, they moved to Soldaia, a trading post on the Black Sea in Crimea, where the Polo family already had a presence, before hitting the road again. Crossing the Crimean mountains, they embarked on an unforeseen adventure that took them to the Asiatic steppes of the Golden Horde, the Mongol kingdom led by one of Genghis Khan's descendants. We don't know why they went on this journey. The only available source, the travels of Marco Polo, gives no explanation. Perhaps they were following a route suggested by other merchants. Maybe they won it in a magazine. One thing is certain. Westerners had already ventured into this part of Asia. The year Marco was born, 1254, Franciscan missionary William of Rubruck, an envoy of King Louis IX of France, returned from a mission that had taken him all the way to Karakorum, the capital of the Mongol Empire. The two brothers may have heard about this voyage. In the report he left, the monk recalls that Mongol leaders enjoyed valuable gifts such as jewellery, but then, you know, who doesn't? The Polos may have had it all planned when they left Europe. In any case, they rode to the city of Bolgar, on the west bank of the Volga River, where they met Burke, the first Khan of the Golden Horde to convert to Islam. He gave them a warm welcome, and the jewellery they gave him made an impression. In return, Burke gave the Polo brothers goods twice as valuable as the jewellery and the privilege of being able to trade in his kingdom. Niccolo and Maffeo spent a year in the region selling their inventory. At this stage, the two merchants probably planned to return to their homeland, wealthy men thanks to their business. But an unforeseen event pushed them to flee further into the Golden Horde. War broke out between Burke and Hulagu, the Khan who founded the Ilkhanate, the rival Persian kingdom that was expanding and threatening Islamic lands. As the routes to the south were cut off, the Polo brothers moved east along the caravan routes leading to Central Asia. Once again, Niccolo and Maffeo took a gamble on the unknown. It took 17 days for them to cross a desert populated by just a few herders. I hope they took a deck of cards with them. They managed to reach Bukhara, one of the main crossroads on the Silk Road, where they lived and traded for about three years. In 1264, the Polo brothers met a delegation sent by Hulagu to his brother, the great Kublai Khan. Both were the grandsons of legendary conqueror Genghis Khan. The diplomats suggested the brothers join them on their way to Khan Balik, the new capital the Mongol emperor had just founded. Kublai Khan had never met Europeans and was curious about foreigners. The explorers agreed. 
after an arduous year-long journey, again, always remember to take a deck of cards, braving the cold, snow, rain, and crossing swollen rivers, Niccolo and Maffeo were the first Europeans to penetrate so far into Eastern Asia and meet the Kargan. The Mongol emperor received the Polo brothers with all the pomp of his court. But their stay in Khan Balik was short. After questioning the two explorers on the habits and customs of their country, Kublai Khan sent them on a domestic mission. The two brothers were to return with 100 educated people who would teach the emperor Western science, technology, and religion. In his book, The Travels of Marco Polo, Marco claims that the Khan entrusted a letter to his father and uncle addressed to the Pope. According to him, the emperor was willing to convert to Christianity if the church's emissaries convinced him. This is questionable. It chiefly reveals the explorer's views and conviction that his faith was superior to all others. The return journey was easier. Thanks to a paisa, an engraved golden tablet given to them by Kublai Khan, the Polo brothers were given lodging, horses and food at each stop. They finally returned to Venice in 1269, and we can only imagine the admiration in Marco's eyes, a boy of 15 meeting his father for the first time. A father he had so often dreamed of and who had accomplished such an incredible voyage. A father and his brother who'd gone from merchants to ambassadors, guaranteeing dialogue between two worlds. And we can also imagine the consuming ambition that the tales of Niccolo and Maffeo sparked in the teenager. As a result, two years later, when the two brothers left for their second voyage to the Mongol kingdom, Marco went with them. The Polos arrived in Khan Balik in 1274. Kublai Khan quickly took a liking to Marco, making him one of his closest emissaries. The Emperor sent him on various missions, enabling him to travel through China like no explorer before him. In all, the Polos stayed there for 17 years. On their return to Venice in 1295, Niccolo and Maffeo enjoyed enormous prestige. Maffeo became a member of the Grand Council, the assembly that elected the Doge. Niccolo and Maffeo do not deserve to be forgotten in the shadow cast by the glory of their successor. Gradually, they're emerging into the light. The Netflix series Marco Polo highlights their role in the history of exploration. And they're also featured in the game Assassin's Creed Revelations. Niccolo Polo is introduced as a member of the Assassin Brotherhood. In 1257, Altair ibn Lahad, the mentor of the Levantine Brotherhood, gives him his precious codex, coveted by the Knights Templar in Constantinople demonstrating Niccolo's importance. Pure fiction, of course, but after all, they do deserve a little help to regain their rightful place in history.
Thanks for listening to Echoes of History, Behind the Legends, a Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media.